This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, September 20th, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. Great Britain doesn't have a lot of recent standalone experience with trade negotiations, but trade will be key after Brexit. So how's Brexit going? This week I spoke with Elizabeth Truss, a British MP and Chief Secretary to the Treasury. We talked about trade, Brexit, and relations with the United States. Free trade is should be a major supply side issue. It is a, it's a huge concern. How do you evaluate the efforts by the Trump administration to, I think, think fairly openly, play games with uh, trade policy? Well, the best thing I think Trump has said about trade is that he wants the world to have zero tariffs, and I agree with him on that. I mean, that's where we should be getting to. I don't. I've seen today's. Was it yesterday? The, the what's been said about China? I think it's in everybody's interest if the U.S. and China secure proper free trade deals. It's in no one's interest to have trade barriers up. What we know is that companies that export are more productive than when you expose yourself to competition in the global market. You increase the wealth of everyone. I mean, we're we're free marketeers. We all think that. So with respect to free markets and uh, free trade, at least uh, regionally, how is Brexit going? It's going well. There's a running commentary in the British press, and I'm sure you've heard all the details of it. But we will leave the European Union next year. That will happen. We're, I believe we will leave with a deal. Uh, those final details are being negotiated at present, and I believe it will get the support of Parliament. This is something British people have voted for, and it will be massive, massive anger if it doesn't happen. And I think politicians are well aware of that. And once we leave the European Union, it does give us more flexibility to negotiate deals with the rest of the world, and you know, life will go on. Now, is that you putting a, a positive spin on a development you have no control over, or did you, were you a, a supporter of this initiative? So I didn't support Brexit first up. But since people voted for it, I mean, there were all kinds of predictions of doom, like, you know, the economy would go into freefall. None of that stuff has happened. I think that it does present positive opportunities. And I'm also a Democrat who believes that we've got to follow through on what people have voted for. The deal that uh, you may receive uh, upon exiting the European Union, what is that? what do you expect that to include? Will that include full participation in the European common market and all that? No. I mean, we've said we're leaving the single market. That's clear from us. You know, we're leaving the customs union. We want the ability to negotiate free trade deals with the rest of the world. And also, we're ending free movement of people. Uh, the single market includes free movement of people, so you can't really leave free movement of people and be part of the single market. I think one of the things that people have to understand elsewhere is that the European Union is not just a trading arrangement like NAFTA. You know, It's a political construct, and that is what people in Britain objected to. They objected to the fact that our domestic laws were being shaped by the European Union and not by the British Parliament. And that is the fundamental principle that we have to achieve on leaving, is that those decisions will now be made in Westminster. What will be the immigration policy uh, post-Brexit? I know the United States is rapidly clamping down on both legal and illegal 
uh, immigration. And of course, I believe in free trade and good services and uh, the people's ability to go where they find employment most advantageous. What, what do you expect or believe to be that policy? And what would be the economic effects of uh, ending this free movement? The situation at the moment is that there's free movement with EU citizens, but not with people from the rest of the world. So we want a system that's fairer to people outside the UK. We need a system where we can recruit the most talented people into our country. You know, there is huge demand in areas like computing, engineering. I could name a whole, a whole raft of areas. So we, we need immigration both for our economy and for the sake of our country. But what this is about is about having clear limits so that we do have control at the border rather than just a free-for-all. The policy hasn't been fully developed as yet, but the, the fundamental principle is we do want to be open to talent from around the world. That's the fundamental principle of the policy. All right. So what do you think would be the biggest downside post-Brexit? In the longer term, I think that we will have more freedom and self-determination, and that's fundamentally a good thing. There is clearly a period we have to go through of transition, and that is the most difficult part of it. But I don't think there's a long-term downside to leaving the EU. How does the supply-side argument work today as compared with the late 70s and, and early 80s? And, and why do you think it uh, ought to be more seriously considered than it has been in the past? So I think the issues we're facing, and my speech particularly today was about how do we bring the next generation to support conservative politics? What are the issues we're facing? Well, we're facing the fact that it's very difficult to get on the housing ladder. Housing is unaffordable in many parts of Britain and indeed uh, in the United States. That where are the opportunities for jobs coming? What are the threats to freedom? So, for example, those who want to take over social media and get it run by the state. So all of those things are relevant now, whereas I think in the 70s and 80s, you had a sclerotic economy that was dominated by the unions and nationalized industry. We've now got problems on things like land use planning, occupational licensing, which is preventing new entrants, and also regulations that are stopping new businesses set, setting up, and I think holding back dynamism in the economy. What do we mean by dynamism? Well, we mean the opportunities for people to get higher paid jobs, to set up their own businesses, and to experience prosperity and economic growth. So in the same way as Thatcher and Reagan tackled those issues in the 70s and 80s by privatization, dealing with the unions, we need to tackle those issues by opening up land supply, opening up opportunities in business, opening up professions to people which might be being halted by occupational regulation. So I think it's a different set of issues, but the fundamental principle is the same, which is about giving people control over their own lives and freedom to participate in the economy. So I, I suppose when you say supply side, that may mean something somewhat different than what how I've heard it described, at least well, uh, with respect to Well, it's basically, so what, what supply side means is it's all the things that contribute to whether or, you know, an economy is successful. So it can be the supply of land, which is one of the things I was talking about. 
It can be about things like education policy. It can be things like infrastructure. Those are all supply-side economies. It's how do you increase the capacity of your economy? How do you accommodate a large, rather num- than believing, a large number of transactions? Rather than the kind of Keynesian demand management, which believes that somebody can sit in the treasury and decide fiscal policy, and that will either you know, make the economy go or not. I don't believe that. I believe that economies are all about the individual decisions of people and how they are able to create value and create new ideas. And that's what we have to open up. And over time, I think economies can get furred up. The regulatory system can fur things up. They can make it hard for uh, new things to happen. So in Britain, for example, we're seeing high streets changing. And if you've got regulations that are stopping somebody use a building for a different purpose, that's stopping progress. What's the status right now of occupational licensing in Great Britain? So I've just announced that we're going to do a a review on it. I don't think the issues are as severe as they are in the US. But what we do know is that occupational licensing in the UK is greater than it is in France and Belgium. And we also know that it has more of an impact on people's ability to get jobs than unionization does. So it's been quite a major change. Elizabeth Truss is a British MP and Chief Secretary to the Treasury. You can subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 